Welcome to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we discover how to get stronger together. What is up, entrepreneurs and business owners? Welcome back to the Stronger Business Podcast, where we learn how to get stronger in business and in life. Our guest today, he's going to definitely help us do that. Man, he's been a COO, CEO. He's been in the logistics operational side of business for 30 plus years, has tons of business experience. We have something in common. We've essentially screwed up enough stuff over the last 40 years. We've learned what not to do, and we've became successful by doing that. And so we're going to have a good time today. We're going to talk about all sorts of back-end stuff, systems, fulfillment, different ways of automations and things, something a lot of you out there need to know and understand how to make your business stronger and how to scale and just take care of some of the stuff you're manually doing on your own. I'm going to try to get this right. Harry Drapush, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, Chad. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to, uh, to the next hour and... Uh, See what we can cover as far as logistics goes. Man, I love it. Well, well, speaking of, did I get the last name right? Did I nail it? Right on, man. You'd never know that uh, that a Southerner could say it like that. Look at that. I, I, I told you I've learned something already. So you know what? Today's going to be fun, man. You have experience in an area of business that very few people have. And honestly, very few people even know about or quite understand. When we, when we say fulfillment... What the heck does that even mean? I, I've I've owned a, a an e-commerce business. I, I've been in online retail. I've got a ton of listeners out there. I know this kind of applies to that side, but there's give us just a crash course on what fulfillment means and and what exactly you do on a day to day and and what's Amware fulfillment. Well. Um... What we do day to day is we deal with entrepreneurs uh, all over the country, small and large. Uh, you know, our, our our largest customers are approaching a billion dollars. Our smallest customers are probably in the ten to fifteen million dollars of annual sales. So we we handle them all. Uh, they have brilliant ideas. Um, they're entrepreneurs. They and and so they've got product that they think uh, they want to get out to the marketplace. So. They have to figure out how to get it out of their head, out of their garage, out of their manufacturers, and into the hands of someone like me who can take that product in, store it for them, inventory it for them. And then when the customers place orders for that, we fulfill fulfill those orders. So um, similar to what an Amazon does, but the difference is we put the smile inside the box, not outside the box. (laughs) I love that. And you've been doing this pretty much your whole career, right? I've been doing this uh, pretty much my whole career. I started out uh, in the, in the 80s uh, and the the industry, well, let, let me put it this way. If you told me back then there'd be robots, there'd be drones, uh, there'd be voice talking to computers in direction, I would have laughed at you and said, not in this business, not in this lifetime. And and here we are finding that, you know, all sorts of technology. And by the way, we're not technology leaders. Uh, We wait for the, you know, for the alpha to shake out. We take a look at it. We wait for the price to come down of technology. And then when it makes sense, boom, uh, we install it where it's the right place to install it. Man, I love that. I think that's something our listeners need to take note of. 
I feel like so many, especially early young business owners, entrepreneurs, they're trying to use technology as the way to really take the next leap in their business or, or be on the forefront of the cutting edge of helping them grow. But I think you made a heck of a point there. I think you lose more than you win there if you wait and you and you sit back and you let other people flush out all the problems or or some of those things and you you wait till it's vetted and figured out and then step into it. It's a heck of a lot cheaper and it works a heck of a lot better. Um, there's no question about that. Uh, you can you can spend your way into bankruptcy when it comes to technology. Right? <laughs> Just look at the whole dot com thing and how these people burn through cash. Yes, they, they they built all these buildings with all this technology, and I'll tell you, guys like me came in and bought it for ten cents on the dollar and repurposed it. it. You know, it's no different than buying a model car the first year it comes out because the manufacturer doesn't know what bugs it's got, and why do you want to be the one test driving it on the road? After two years or so, they figure it out. The price comes down. They know what they're doing, and you're getting a better product for for much less cost, much more reliable. But when it comes to logistics, technology is not not the panacea. It's not. It's just a tool. I mean, it's still an execution business. It's still people that are here that you have to train, uh, that have to embrace what you do, that have to feel passionate about it, that have to feel fulfilled. Uh, you can't win in spite of them. So first and foremost, it's really about the people. And then, and then you resource them properly with the right technology that makes sense. Again, that's affordable. Um, and then you're on your way as far as that goes. I like it. How much do you guys keep under your umbrella of of in house? Do you do you own the warehouses? Do you have employees? Do you handle the 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 shipping and the vans taking it to the consumer, or do you outsource a lot of that? Tell me a little bit about kind of how you manage what you do and how you've been able to. I mean, to be as big as you are and handle such a wide variety of size of client. As a as a CEO and as a as a business owner, I'm like, how the heck do you manage all that, or how do you how do you get to the level you guys are just from a business perspective? Um, so we do 17 million shipments a year. Holy uh, cow! Yeah, we're 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 uh, you know we're a 250 million dollar company ourselves. Yeah. So we're not Amazon, you know, by no stretch of the imagination. But we've got now we've got 18 sites around the country. We're in eight major uh, U.S. cities. Um, we are asset light. We, we lease our okay. warehouses. Uh, we don't, we don't buy them. Uh, it gives us flexibility if we have to expand, if we have to move. Um, buying's not bad because you don't usually do bad on real estate, but we don't want to tie up our money in a building. Sure. Um, employees, 80% of the employees are Amware Stasi employees. We use 20% temps because we have to flex our business. Uh, our customers have promos, they have seasonal business. Uh, flash sales, whatever it may be, we need to be able to to fill that balloon, if you will, that that program, that that special that they're running uh, by bringing in some temps and then you know bring, giving the temporaries more of the repetitive, non-skilled work, if you will, maybe box making, things like that, taping, uh, you know, things like that that can free up the more skilled people then to do the picking, the packing, and the shipping. Um, we we do. Um, we do about $150 million a year in uh, parcel parcel spend. Uh, so we have we don't have trucks ourselves. Uh, we deal with the big three, FedEx, UPS, DHL, some yep. USPS. 
uh, we have a pretty decent sized hammer, so we're able to uh, to you know to beat them into some good rates, uh, some favorable rates, uh, and we pass a lot of that on to our cu- our customers, our partners, uh, so they can share in it. So uh, that that's that's the model, um, and uh, it's been very very successful for us. Again, you, you know, you don't want to tie up any capital that you have where it doesn't need to be tied up because I'm sure that everybody listening has a capital crunch at one point or another or has a judicious use of that money uh, and it's best put into where it can grow uh, and not sit in a building where you're not going to be able to get any value out of it until you sell it or refinance it. Yep. You're exactly right. I see a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners, they, they, they lose focus a little bit and they start tying up capital in real estate or tying up capital in equipment or vans or a lot of things is not, their primary business or or really their their profit center and and it really limits the growth of the business again it's not a necessarily a bad investment but with limited capital if you start locking that down in in vans or storage units or warehouses or real estate it it, it can handcuff your business and then also I love the aspect and approach of I, I'm a I love real estate investing but I don't love it I, I I own several commercial buildings. I own lots of vacation rentals. Um, but for my own business, I lease and I rent because because of that same thing you mentioned. I don't know what size I'm going to be in five years. I don't know how many employees I'm going to have. I don't want to get locked down in a space I own inside of that handcuffs my business because I chose to buy a building or a house or something that can't sustain the business um, going either direction, staying nimble for the future. So that's that's great advice. Do you guys, um, and I'm just so curious, managing that big of an operation and that many people, do y'all obviously run way different levels of management and I'm, I'm assuming territories and regional and all sorts of different layers in there than, than most of us from a business aspect. But do y'all run any sort of like, operating system an entrepreneur system are y'all are y'all running some sort of you know type of management system that everybody's on where you're tracking accountability and some of those things in performance um so there's many systems that we run and i don't want to make that sound more complex than it actually <laughs> I'm, is. Shocked, I'm sure with that much volume and people and, and transactions good grief so we have a parcel management system, right? That does our manifesting and tells us, you know, what it's going to cost to ship a package out and has all the data associated with it. So we can give it back to our customers uh, for them to utilize as well. We have a warehouse management system that tells us where the heck the product is when we put it away. Because believe it or not, once in a while, it doesn't always go where it should go. I know it's hard to believe, but um, it does happen. So we use a warehouse management system to uh, to help us locate and help us maintain inventory levels. But but the thing that is most important for the business is really your biggest cost in in the warehousing business and the logistics business is labor. Yeah, I mean that 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 is far and away our biggest cost. Uh, our biggest exposure, workers' comp, health benefits, things like that. So we want to measure everything uh, that happens around productivity and quality, right? Because um, everybody, everybody in this business tells you they're great, it's perfect, and they're cheap. Uh, but at the end of the day, you have to ask them, how is that possible? What do you do to maintain that that competitive advantage? So we 
we measure every individual, not, not for the purpose of beating them up, but we set standards that, hey, there's, you know, you work in a warehouse, there's so much performance that we need. When we when we give a customer price, uh, we stand by that price and we need to be competitive. They need to be competitive. So, you know, we make sure that we've processed this thing properly and we've taken the steps. It's not unlike what UPS does when they train someone new. They know how many steps are on that route. You know, they, they know those things. And then this way they can say, Chad, you know, we expect 20 deliveries an hour and it's proven and you can do it. And this way they monitor it to make sure that everybody contributes as they should. And where they don't, is it more training? You know, how do you get that associate up to the level they need to? What's the barrier? So we'll measure everything that's associated with a person. And then obviously what's critical for us is we monitor social media we want to make sure that when my customers' customers open a box, they don't say, what? You know, they say, wow. I mean, so we want to make sure that it looks right. Uh, when they open that box up, I said, we put the smile inside the box. We want to make sure it's packed as it should be, that the customer says, hey, I've got value here. I know my customers sell premium products. So the last thing you want is all that stuff thrown in a little bubble on top of it, or maybe some crinkled paper, but you open it up and the thing looks like it was shaking for an hour. I mean, it's got to be packed right. It's got to look good. They got to feel, you know, I spent X amount of money for this and it's worth it. This is great. This is what I wanted. They hop on social media. They tell all their friends about it. The converse of that also happens. Hey, I got a shipment. The stuff was broken. It was mixed. I got the wrong color. I got the whatever it may be. So we measure all that. Because there's a lot of emotion around it, right? My customers yep. are all emotional. If a customer calls them up, if three customers call up in a day complaining, I mean, the bells ring, the sirens go off, you know, it sounds like the world is ending. So you always want to make sure that you measure, you keep it in perspective. Yeah, three customers may have called, but we shipped out 30,000 shipments yesterday. And and listen, it's not to necessarily refute it because we don't want three customers to be upset. We want everyone to be happy. So the first thing is we want to put it in perspective. Are we maintaining our service level agreements with you? And then we want a baseline. You know what? If we messed up three today, we're not going to do three tomorrow. We want to make sure we get better. We want to find out which three it was, who picked it, who packed it, what happened. Let's retrain and let's get back on, on program. So that's those are where we measure. Um, and I would tell you that the biggest obstacle that I've, I, I, I've come across in my entire career is that many times, many times you have to do this manually until you can figure out what it is you want and how you want it. You're going to have to figure out how to get this information manually. People may have to fill out a chart. You know, they may have to fill out a paper. Um, the biggest pushback I get from, from people working in the, well, can't we, can't, can't, can't we systematize this? Do I have to collect this? You know, it's like, you know, it's like learning math, right? When I went to school, you had a pencil, a paper, and you did your arithmetic. Now, now, if I go shopping and it costs me 67 cents and I give the cashier a buck, if they don't have a, a, a calculator or the thing doesn't tell them how much change, they don't know what to give me. Nope. And it's no different in my business. You make supervisors, listen, if you guys understand and do this manually, yes, it will be much, much easier to systematize it because you'll know exactly what's going on. And then you'll know when you have bad data. But if all you do is have systems give you data and you don't know how it's calculated, you'll never know where there's a mistake. And unfortunately, mistakes do happen. Uh, and, you know, data like that is critical. It's got to be right. 
You know what? This is so freaking important, man. I think so many business owners, especially small business owners, entrepreneurs, they don't measure things. They they don't, for some reason, they lose those granular measurements and details. And you guys are doing it. I mean, you're a $250 million company measuring everything. And it's it goes back to that, what gets measured gets managed. And so to know somebody the size of company that you you all are, that you're measuring those many those things. And I think all large companies, especially really successful companies, they measure everything. You talk about the drivers, the UPS guy that delivers at our house. Um, we have a long 400, 500 feet driveway that's a little challenging. But he's told me before, he's like, hey, some days I can come down here and drop it off. Some days I have to leave it up at the gate. He's like, they measure how many times I back up. I put this thing in reverse a day. And if I go over a certain amount, I get dinged or red flags go off. He's like, so some days I can come down here and I can do a three-point turn and drop it off and, and get out of here. Some days I can't. And so for our business owners and, and entrepreneurs and listeners out there, everything you manage and is, is got to be measured. And again, if you're not measuring it, there's no way to manage it. And so I think that granular detail is just especially in customer service side is so freaking important that that story about, you know, when a customer, uh, when the end consumer gets the box, that actually happened to me yesterday. And it, and it, and it's so interesting because my excitement in my mindset completely changed. This is a random story, but I've owned some land, got a couple of ponds. Well, for some reason, buzzards decided to roost there here in the last like two weeks. So I got like, 200 buzzards that are like roosting at my house and I shot the tree beside them for a while and that scared them, but that didn't work. And I found out that's pretty illegal. I don't need to be doing that. And so I, so I ordered a drone. I'm like, I know buy a drone and I'm going to go fly it around and try to run them off every night. Well, the box came and the, the exterior box was fine. It was in great shape. I opened it up the actual like drone box and it was like tore all to hell. I mean, it was just beat up. And I'm, I was like, well, this, you know, it just made me concerned. Like, is it in good shape? Is this thing used? Like, what did I buy? And so it's interesting because it, that, that one piece of like my experience of opening it really changed my mindset of expectation of what product am I getting? Where did I buy it from? Is it going to work? And so in your line of work, that's so important. And I think so many of our other business owners and, and listeners out there, they kind of lose sight of some of that sometimes. I, I will tell you how critical it is. I've spent my entire career uh, as a turnaround operational professional. I love operations. Uh, yes, the, I love it. The, 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 the CEO, fixer, Mr. Fixer. The, the CEO piece means I've got to go to board meetings and I've got to <laughs> listen to what board members say and entertain those things that, you know, Harry, have you thought about this oh, about 25 years ago? <laughs> um, but in operations, I didn't have to do that. But I did have to. I did have to convince a tougher audience. So uh, one project I got to in 1989, uh, the 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 warehouse was open for six months, and it was a pilot program. If the operation was successful, the company would have gotten six more hubs around the country. I come in, and it's it's chaos in the warehouse. And yep. um, I tell the supervisors, we're going to start measuring. And we'll start with the pick section. Let's you know, bite the elephant one bite at a time. Let's start with one section. Let's prove it. 
look, we don't have to uh, because we know who's working. I said, okay, that's great. You guys know who's working. We had eight pickers. What's the big? I said, everybody throw five dollars in the pot, and you guys rate the pickers from high to low. Who's going to pick the most? The eight names. You write the list out, and the, and the one who comes up with the, the 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 most number, but you have to have a minimum of six right. We'll get the pot. Oh, everybody bought in. Everybody was for that. So they listed the people, and this was all. You know, they watched people work during the day. Some sure. people move around in a warehouse like like there's no tomorrow, and uh, but they're not doing anything. They're just moving. And then there are others that are methodical. The pace is constant. Well, after two weeks, the results came in. They weren't even close. <laughs> they except for this universal. The the and I'll never forget the guy's name. I won't mention it, but his name was Bob. Uh, and he was one of those guys that when he walked, um, it looked like it was a chore. But the guy planned his work. He looked at his paperwork. He was methodical. Everybody had Bob in the bottom three. Bob was the number one picker after two weeks. No and, way. So the the lesson for the supervision was you you may think you know what's happening by observation, but the data does not lie. And this is what you need to know. Because if we're to improve things, you've got to know where the improvement is needed and where it needs to go to get there. Yep. Um, so I've gone through that exercise wherever I've implemented um, measurement, because I will say universally in all those turnaround environments, the thing that was lacking was good data that was consistent. You know, they would measure it occasionally. I mean, it'd be like taking your blood pressure twice a year and thinking, hey, I'm healthy because on those two occasions, it looked okay. Um, you know, you've got to do it daily. Once, once it becomes part of your DNA, it gets easy. And then, and then people won't, won't live without it. Then they've got to have it. But getting people that first step is the most difficult. And you've got to get them on board for that. Or you're just going to be spinning dials, hoping for the best. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. You're, it's like flying a plane with no gauges or like, it's just, you got no dashboard or nothing telling you what's going on. I'm so curious in this, in this turnaround side of operation, when you come in and, and you, you start managing and, and measuring things and you, you, you get the information and you see what needs to be fixed. How do you get the buy-in? How do you motivate people that have done things the same way or that have been part of a broken system for 10 years? How have you been able to get those people to change or to buy in to, to what you want to do? So the the great you know great great segue the um, you to get the buy-in you have to gain trust you have to be honest you have to tell people why you're doing it it's not to eliminate people it's not to make them work harder you know working more efficient doesn't mean you're working harder in fact many times when you don't have to do rework right it, it's yeah. actually easier when it goes smoothly. I'm here to resource you. I'm here to give you the tools you need. I'm not going to tell you to dig me an eight-foot hole and then hand you a spoon and say, do it. I could. Why would I do that? You're going to break your back and be slow, and I'm not going to get my hole dug. So my job here is to give you the right tool, the right training to make you a professional so that you should be the best that you can be. And so you tell them why you're doing this. Now, the funny thing is, if you took eight people who work together uh, if you ask the supervisors, you know, who, who, who are the best workers here? That, they, they've got an idea. If you really want to know who the best is, you go to the workers and you say, look, I got a pretty tough job. Chad, of these seven other guys working with you, who do you want working with you? 
right? Ooh. You're not going to pick. You're not going to pick the guy or the that's gap. good. Right, you're going to pick the person that's going to work with you, break their pick with you, and not be a drag on you. So, so employees know, and and the one thing employees do want is they want equity. They want to be treated professionally. They want to be treated fairly. They want to know if Chad and I are getting similar pay, that Chad is delivering what I'm delivering. And, and they're not going to walk up to Chad because they, it's not their job, right? They, they expect management to watch their back and protect them and make sure everybody's eating the pie equally so that I don't have to go home with a bellyache every night because I ate half the pie because three other guys decided, hey, let Harry have it. So, you know, you, you you tell them it's not a threatening thing. It's about giving them resources, it's about giving them training. You want to make them the best they could be, whether they work here or they go take their trade and work somewhere else. They're a reflection of me. And I, you know, for people to say, listen, this guy, Harry, he taught me a whole lot over there. I'm a pro. I know how to, I mean, you get them excited about the fact that you're not there to, aha, gotcha. You're there to learn. You're there to help. You're there to listen. Because they can tell you what the waste of time is. Why do I do this? Why am I? I mean, just open up that line of communication. They're your people. They're the people who help you make money. And if you treat them right, you're methodical and you're fair and you listen and they trust you. I've managed Teamster operations. Um, And and I'm going to tell you, um, you know, when you first get there, you know, their mantra is, I just got to outlast this guy. I've worked for five other guys. That's like right. Harry. I just got to outlive <laughs> this guy. And I will, because I'm in the union. But, but, but so I would tell you that um, uh, very successful. Uh, at the end of the day, after I'd been there for some time, I had drivers stop in my office on the way home and just want to shoot the, the bull for 30 minutes. And then you have drivers coming in that before you know it, they're telling you, cancer in their family, sickness, happy events, but they open up to you because they trust you now. You're the guy with the purse strings. You're the guy who controls their future, even if they're in a union. And if they trust you, and let me tell you something, nobody could be a bigger hard ass than me. The rules are the rules. You apply them to everybody. A fair day's work for a fair day's pay. And if you if you stiff me, you're going to hear it from me. So if you do right, I do right. If you do wrong, I'm the last guy you're going to want to see every day. And we got along great. I mean, there's always one or two. Um, and I had no problem, even with the union cleansing the place, because I got them on my side. He's the he's the problem. It's about trust and it's about honesty and openness. There are no secrets. I over-communicate. People will never leave uh, 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 an area where I work and say there's a hidden agenda. There are none. And I tell you, you can yeah, just hear so much knowledge and wisdom and experience in everything you say. I mean, this is a freaking just like crash course in in business and what determines success of having employees and managing people and working together as a team. It's a this is a masterclass in in scaling and growing. So I just appreciate you sharing this, man. This is huge. I know Man, I read something one time that really resonated with me and really changed my approach to to management and employees. And I, I still, I, I I struggle with it. I I do too much in the business and don't spend enough time managing the people of the business. And and so it's a I, I'm I'm always a work in progress there. But I I read a quote quote one time that really changed my life of how I view things from the business side as an owner. Is it said 
all employees want to be successful. They just don't know how. And that I think as a for the longest time, especially as a young business owner, I felt like oh, people are just lazy or they don't want to work hard or they don't want to do what I ask them to, or they're making more things more difficult or more dramatic. But when I read that quote, it completely shifted my mindset and I understood, hey, I'm failing at what I do because they want to be the best they can be. I'm just not communicating enough or I don't know how to show them or communicate that trust and relationship to get that out of them. And so, man, you sounds like you have really figured that out over your years of experience and been able to leverage that piece of it. But you figured it out. You, you said the main thing that, that maybe not all, but most people want to be successful and want to do the right thing. And and the lesson I learned was the hard way. I was an ops manager. I had come out of warehousing. I got into the trucking piece of this thing. Um, and uh, I had, I had some guys set some loads up for the day and and just as they were done, I came running down. I says, "Hold on, guys! Hold on, guys! I I, I screwed this up. You got to backstrip this trailer, and you got to reload it this way." And uh, one of the young guys who was my age, because I was young at the time too, grabbed the bills out of my hand and walk away. And his name was Carl. And I said, "Hey, Carl, what's your problem?" He says, "Well, I don't feel like redoing this." I says, "Well, you can't beat the rate of pay, man. I'm paying you the same amount whether you did it ten times in one day or once." He walked up to me, he says, you know, he says, I want to make a difference here too. I don't want to just get paid for time. I like to think I'm getting something accomplished too. Oh, I think for the man. first time and maybe the last time in my, not the last time, but I was speechless. I didn't know what to say. I was dumbfounded. He put me in my place and it was, I learned you could be a teamster. You could be anybody. People want to make a difference. They want to come to work and they want to have a sense of accomplishment for the most part. Your job is to find those people who don't and separate them and separate them from the others because they're they're a cancer. They're they're the guys that are stoke in, don't work. You know, your job is to find out who is it that way. And they're the minority. They're not the majority. Man, that's so interesting. As a from a CEO mindset, my job is not to necessarily manage the people that are already successful. My job is to weed out the people that are not. Oh, because that's your that's your cancer. That's your toxic piece of the organization. Oh, I love that. That's so smart. That's really cool. Chad, that's everything, Chad. We oh. manage variants, not just for people. That's why we measure. We look yes. for the variants, right? Let's Where find the, the variants? problems, the outliers. Yes. Oh, a lot of moments here, man. It, yes, that's that's I'm, I'm learning a lot today. This is extremely insightful. So, so I have I I sold a business. Um, I had a e-commerce business. Um, we manufactured uh really interior decor wood signs, and um shipped all over the country, and everything was was online retail. For you guys and what you do on a on a company that's big enough to, to utilize your services, what happens there? Does, does, do you guys pick up my product from my facility and take it and store it in warehouses across the country? Um, are you just connected to my POS system? And when there's an order, things happen. How does, how do you make lives easier for business owners and people in the, the e-commerce space? Um, yes, yes, yes. So from a, <laughs> from a data exchange 
we're connected. We can okay. be connected to your, your, you know, your order management system. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can do everything electronically. We can still do things, and I know my team will kill me. We can still do, do things with a fax if anybody even knows what a oh fax is. Oh my God, are you serious? I'm, I'm serious. We, you know, we'll, we could take orders over the phone, but for the most part, it, it's we're connected to our customer shopping carts, right? Uh, online shopping carts. Um, you know, we're connected with them directly. We're connected with our customers' order management system. We exchange data several times a day, inventory uh, synchronization every night. Um, we can make arrangements from from your source of you know your source your manufacturer your co manufacturer wherever the product originates from you can send it into us we can make the arrangements to go pick it up put it away we can tell you what what um, what parts of the country you should have that inventory in to either get fast delivery um, you you know or to to have redundancy so that if there's a an ice storm in Georgia. And you only have inventory in Georgia and you can't now ship for two or three days. If you have product in Georgia and Phoenix or Georgia and Chicago, you know, if you go to multiple points, you have redundancy. So we can sit down with every entrepreneur. What is it you want to accomplish? We'll tell you the best way to get it done. Oh my God, that's such a valuable resource. So it's not, it's not necessarily just the back end side, it's the wisdom and guidance of here's Here's based on what you want to accomplish. Here's the way we think you need to do it. I love that. Now, obviously, there's a big gap between the small business owner and getting the $25 million in in revenue. How does that process happen in the fulfillment world? Do they need to do it on their own? And then they go to a small fulfillment company. And then as they grow, they move to you guys. Or how does that things change from somebody that's a $5 million business right now. That's not to the level where it's a, it's an ideal customer for you guys. So we, we take, we don't start with, we used to, we used to entertain people coming out of their garage (laughs) into us. Um, We we, we generally would like to see something like 5,000 shipments a month. Okay. Something like four to five thousand. Yep. Now, now listen, if you're if you're um Georgia Pacific and you say we're kicking off a program here, it's gonna start small, we're we're gonna take you in because you've yeah. got the marketing money, you know, we know you're gonna grow this program. But if it's Harry and I say, Listen, I got like 10 shipments a day, we'll set you up with someone who can help you come out of your garage to do it. So you, you know, you asked me, should you do it first? Um, uh, if you can. Uh, you should always do it. Most successful businesses have started with the entrepreneurs baking at home, building at home, shipping. You know, they learn their customers. They get a good feel for stuff so that when they approach me, you know, they're not totally naive about what's going on here, what's involved. So if I say, you know, hey, it's X and they say, wait a minute, you know, it, it sounds like it should be half of that. I think that they become much more attuned to what their business is the logistics back end piece of the business is not where they make their money. They make their money by growing, by selling, by marketing, by finding the right products, the right sales, whatever it may be. And I can take the burden of logistics off of them. So they can make a commitment that says, Hey, listen, your orders that come in by two o'clock are going to leave my, my, you know, we're going to ship them that day. That's on me to do. And that that's where I focus my attention, how to do that efficiently so that it's cost effective and they're competitive and they can then not have to have a an ops manager a warehouse manager you know liaisons and spend all this money managing me 
um, where they can be spending it in marketing, in growing products and R&D, that's where you're going to grow your business, not in logistics. That's yeah, I love that. And I think, man, there's so much tucked in the all this wisdom and expertise and uh, experience you have. Two things there that stuck out in me, even inside of, you know, behind how you can help these business owners on the fulfillment side and the scale. Two things that stuck out and applies to all business owners that I, I pulled out of that also is is number one, you have realized the level and the size of client that's a win for you and for them. And I think a, a lot of business owners, they do that way too late in the game. They need to figure out, hey, who who do I want to serve? What does that client look like? And not only how do I say no to those that aren't a good fit, but let me have re- let me have in my in my Rolodex resources and connections so I can help them get out of their garage and have an option, even if it's not me. And that is huge. I mean, that's that's changing the lives of business owners and you're not making a dollar off of it. And they're going to remember you and appreciate you forever. And that I love that type of uh, mindset behind business and saying, you know what? You're not a good fit for us right now, but here's somebody that is and let me connect you. And that's, that's, I think that's probably one of the biggest pieces that a lot of young entrepreneurs that feel competitive miss in the game of business. So, so Chad, something you said is incredibly key. Uh, and that is getting to that point too late, right? Once you piss customers off, once your service starts to degrade, once people jump on social media and say, Hey, Service isn't good. It's late. I'm calling up. I mean, you know, you, now now you don't get a second chance to make the first impression. So yes, entrepreneurs should always be planning ahead. Don't wait. You know, if 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 it's dripping, fix it while it's a little leak. Because <laughs> if you wait, that little leak now becomes you know, serve pro. Got to clean out my house. Got to you know, got to get the mold out. You know, plan ahead. Plan for your growth. Go to someone who can do that. Um, and you'll be far ahead of the game because you're freed up now to do the things to grow the business and keep customers happy, opposed to you're spending your day on the phone with customers complaining, where's my shipment? It's wrong. I mean, that's just counterproductive. And you'll be spinning your wheels every day for the rest of the life of the business. I, I've been there. I, I've kind of like I started this episode off. I have I have learned from those mistakes. I, I could have used this wisdom and guidance about 15 years ago. It would have saved me a lot of heartache and sleepless nights and money. So, well, Harry, man, I feel like you and I could talk about business all day. Like this, this could be like one of those like two hour Rogan podcasts. I, I love weekly it. show. Uh, that's exactly right. But this is my favorite part of the episode. This is where we get to wrap up what we do here with what we call the max out moment of the stronger business podcast. If our audience does it, which my God, I hope people have pulled over and just steady been writing notes because there've been so many nuggets and takeaways. But if you, if our audience doesn't take away anything else of the awesome things we talked about and you could leave them with one piece of advice, one tip, one tactic. Um, Harry, what is your max out moment for our audience on today's podcast? How do they get stronger? You, 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 um, you said it before. It's the discipline to figure out who you are, what you want to be, who you want to serve. It's not just about growth. McDonald's can probably grow 25% if they just added pizza. I mean, pizza is a fast food item, right? Why don't they serve pizza? I mean, they have the resources. They have everything. 
It's not their thing. It's not their niche. It's not what they wanted to develop. And therefore, they don't do it. So you can't be everything to everybody. Figure out what your what what is it you bring to the marketplace? What are you really, really good at? What is the differentiator? Why Chad? Why am I placing orders with Chad? Why am I buying Chad? When you figure that out, then everything else starts to fall into place. I, I, I'll tell you a quick story. Herb Kelleher, Southwest Airlines, they're growing. And so he's got his team together and he's having a meeting and the marketing VP says, you know, um, we did a survey and the people on the Chicago to Dallas noontime um, lunch, a noontime route would like to be served a salad for lunch. So Herb looked at her and said, well, you know what our mission is? It's to be the low cost airline. Will serving a salad to those people get us closer to that or further away from that objective? And that was the end of the conversation. Know who you are. If you're the low cost airline, or you're the quality or the best scent, whatever it may be, know what that is and everything else will fall into place. Man, that is a, a life changing max out moment for business owners, entrepreneurs. That resonates with me so much. The McDonald's example, especially I have a business coach. She changed my life a couple of years ago. Her name's Sally Holder by making me repeat every week. One thing just because I can doesn't mean I should. And that is exactly the max out moment kind of underlying theme behind what you shared with us there. I, I, I cannot even tell you how my, how excited this episode has made me, how much I have learned. Um, we definitely have to do this again. You are a wealth of knowledge and experience. I would love to have you back on. In the meantime, though, where can our audience find you at? How do they connect? How do they learn more? How do they do business with you? Where do they go? Uh, they can go to amwarefulfillment.com. And there's, you know, there's a whole repository of knowledge there. If you want to contact us, the number is there. But there's so many white papers, case studies. It's just like a library. Use it. Uh, it's there. It's free. Take advantage of it. And if we could help you, we would love to do that. And if we can't help you, we'll tell you who can. Well, man, that is awesome. Everybody go out there and connect. Check out more. I can promise you one thing. You will hear, hear Harry again on this podcast. Uh, man, you have been awesome today. Thank you for your time. You all out there, go share this with any entrepreneurs, business owners um, that you know. They will love it. Uh, and so we will see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Stronger Business Podcast. We're excited to come to you again next week with more tools and tactics to help you get stronger in your business and in your life. Check us out on Instagram at Stronger Business or follow us uh, on our website at StrongerBusiness.com. Have an awesome rest of your day and we'll see you next week.